0: Good morning. It is good to be with you, church family. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, I'm excited to be able to talk to you about our Redeemer, about uh, sharing stories about our Redeemer, about our stories of how God has saved us all. And uh, that is why we come together this morning, it's because we all have a song of redemption. And uh, we get to share it with one another. Before we do, though, uh, this has become a little bit of a a, a habit and something that I've been thankful for. Nearly every week I get to meet somebody new here in this town as being a new guy. uh, uh, Somebody here in Kerrville who is part of the kingdom of God. And in particular, it's been a blessing to me to be able to meet uh, pastors that uh, are worshiping at other churches, uh, to be able to pray with people, to be able to talk to them about all of our desire. Uh, to share the good news of Jesus here in this place. And so this last uh, week or so, I got to meet Billy Crane uh, from Christ Church Presbyterian, and uh, got to talk with him a little bit. And so uh, I'm thankful that we get to partner together in this town uh, to spread the good news of Jesus. So if we can, let's, let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your kingdom. We thank you for how big it is, Uh, We thank you that it cannot be stopped in this world in any way, that it marches forward uh, telling the good news of Jesus Christ. And in particular, right now, Lord, I would like to pray uh, for the other churches that are here in this town that seek to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, and in particular, uh, for Christ Church Presbyterian. Uh, I ask that you bless them in their mission to be a gospel-centered community that seeks to glorify you and to love Kerrville. And Lord, help them to do that. Help them to... Uh, do that with boldness and with humility, and I ask that you would uh, bless Billy as he seeks to lead that church in that mission. God, we ask that you would make us people that, uh, that partner with one another here in this town so that the name of uh, your son Jesus and your name is glorified and is lifted up, and uh, that this place uh, may come to know you more and more, and the freedom that comes from belonging to Christ, and it's in his name we pray, amen. So, um, I am from a family of ministers, and so we talk a lot. My dad's a preacher, Uh, I had a sister who worked in the singles ministry in North Carolina, I have another sister who's spoken at retreats uh, for women and all kinds of things, so we, we all talk, we're all storytellers. And one of the things that's been funny is when we get together for holidays and we gather around the table for Thanksgiving or Christmas, my wife and my brother-in-law, who you know were not raised in the family, always make fun of us. They always make fun of us. They go and you tell the same stories over and over again. And you laugh and you cry and you just tell the same ones. And you're like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. The important stories that are part of who we are. These are the stories that kind of make us who we are, that, that tell something about us. And in particular, stories that have to do with maybe a close call, like there's a story about me and my grandfather going out on a boat, and we're fishing, we tipped the boat over, and we were out there in the lake, hanging on to little trees, and we had to have a, uh, somebody come by and save us, and that's, that's a big story we tell. Uh, another story we tell is I have two older sisters, one of them's just uh, 15 months older than me, and uh, we were really tight. We played together all the time, and we always got into trouble. And so this is one of our favorite stories, is that we tell around the table all the time. Uh, Now that I think about it, it's probably not a good story to tell around the table, but it's it's one that we do. Uh, When we were little, and I mean like two and three, um, we found a bottle of iron tonic. Do you remember what iron tonic is? If you're a little kid, you don't know what this is. It's an iron supplement that people sometimes take when they have iron poor blood, Uh, and it was grape flavored. But one of the things you need to understand is that if you took too much iron, it's poisonous, it's toxic, it can kill you. And uh, we were little, and I remember my sister, who's 15 months older than me, because this was not my idea, this was her idea, <laughs> is she grabbed that off the table and was like, this is great flavored, it's like Kool-Aid, let's have some. And so she drank a whole bunch, and I drank a whole bunch. And then my mom caught us. And she came in and she was like, oh no, this is bad. Uh, So she called the Poison Center, and the Poison Center said, do you have any epicac? Do you know what epicac is? All right, for you young people, let me tell you what epicac is. It's this horrendous invention that was made that is supposed to induce reversal (laughs) of things that you've taken. And it works. It works really well. But my mom didn't have any. And so the doctor, she's on the phone, and I kind of remember this. She's on the phone, and he's telling her how to make some homemade. So I remember she gets out two glasses, and she pours some milk in there, and then she cracks an egg in each one, and then she squirts some mustard and some ketchup in each one, and she stirs it up. And I remember being a little kid going, you're ruining that milk. You're ruining it. (laughs) And she's on the phone. She's holding the phone right here, and she's doing all of this, and she's giving it to us, and the idea is for it to... Reverse things. So I apparently looked at it and it worked. That's all it took. (laughs) Like I took, she handed it to me and I looked at it. I was better. My sister who's 15 months older than me, she drank hers and then she drank mine and then turned to my mom and said, I feel better now, mommy, thank you. So, which panicked my mom. So she calls the doctor back and the doctor's like, Man, if she drank both of those, she's fine. You don't need to worry about her. She's gonna be fine. I don't know why we tell that one around the table. But anyway, it's it's something that we tell all the time because we laugh because it tells you so much about who we were. And, you know, my mom going, I was scared to death, but luckily we were saved by these glasses of milk and mustard and I don't know. But stories being told over and over again. It's one of the things that we share as people. Uh, We gather around the table and we tell the stories that define who we are. And they talk about uh, times that maybe uh, we were in trouble and we were able to get away from that. Uh, For the last several weeks we've been talking about the table. Uh, If you recall, you know we had this table up here for a long time, and we talked about the idea of the feast being what God talks about when he talks about the kingdom of God. As we gather around this table, and we're all nourished by God and what God gives us. And this is the place where healing happens, and this is the place where those of us that belong to Christ gather together. And as a matter of fact, if you recall, at the end of the uh, series we've been doing about the prodigal son, the idea was who's at the table and who's not. And what do they have to talk about? And what are they sharing with each other? And I'm a big believer that the way that that story was supposed to end is is with this celebration of everybody coming around that table. As a matter of fact, if you look at Luke 15:32, this is kind of the last part of the father, and what he says is, he's talking to the older brother. He says, "But we have to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He's lost. He was lost and is found." And so the idea is we have to go sit down and have a feast. Why? So that the story can be told. We gather around, we're gonna be around this table, the father's table, it's his celebration. And what we do is we sit there and we tell the story. And I imagine what should have happened was that the older brother decided to come in and the younger brother's there. And as they gathered around that table, they told the story of this is where I was, but this is where I am now. And this is how the father welcomed me back. And the older brother was able to go, yeah, and the father came out and he got me too. And he pulled me in and he told me and he saved us. He saved us both. And now we're here at this table and we share this. And hopefully that's the story that's told at holidays around that table. Is look at what our father did. And look at the way that he saved us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 107. uh, Because I feel like this is a natural progression. Uh, you heard it read a little bit earlier, and we're going to talk about it uh, more. As a matter of fact, we're going to go through nearly all of it. Because what it is, is it's this psalm, unknown author, it's this song of people talking about how God has saved them. And that's the next part of this, right? The, the younger brother, the older brother, they get together, and the family, and they share. This is what God has done. And Psalm 107, more than anything, is the way that it's put together is it's this huge invitation. To come tell. If you look at the first part of that 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 was read a little bit earlier uh, by Casey, you can see verses 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those that he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those that he gathered from the lands, from east and west and from north and south. You need to know even that intro before he gets into the verses is the idea of saying, come Come, gather around the table and let's all tell our story. As a matter of fact, in ancient times, the idea of starting out with saying those from the east and the west and the north and the south was a way of saying from everywhere. It's an invitation to everybody. It doesn't matter where you come from, come. Every direction, in every way, all over the world. It's like saying from the four corners of the world, all of you from the four corners of the world who have been redeemed, come and tell your story. That's what we do. That's what it means to belong to God. We're all going to come, and we're going to sit, and we're going to tell this story. And then there's this pattern. There's four stories that are told in this psalm. It's the same story over and over again, told in a little different way. It's like verses to a psalm, which it is. It's, we're going to tell this over and over. Now, I want you to realize the pattern before I read through this, because I'm going to read through a large portion of Psalm 107. I want you to follow along with me as we do this, but I want you looking for something because there's a pattern. Each one of these verses starts off with identifying who is talking, who is singing this song, and it begins with those, or there were some, there were some, that's one of the first things it says, there were some, and then it'll follow up, there were some that were in this problem, there were some that were in this distress, there were some that had this issue. And, And what it does, for every one of them, it starts out and it tells a different way that they were in trouble. And then it follows that out with, follows that up with every one of them saying, and then they cried out to the Lord. In every verse you're gonna see that. And then they cried out to the Lord. It's an important part to see. And then it's followed up with that with, and he saved them from their distress. In every verse you're gonna see there were some that were in this trouble and then they cried out to the Lord and then he saved them from their trouble and he saved them from their distress. And then it finishes with, so let them give thanks. It's a story that goes over and over and over through the psalm. And it's a story that goes over and over and over for us and who we are. It defines us in so many ways. So if I can, I'd like to read to you, for you, if you would follow along in the, uh, on the screen there or in your Bibles, these four stories. And if you would, look for that pattern. We're going to start in verse 4. And this first story is about those who wandered this world looking for purpose, for meaning, and they ended up hungry and thirsty. They couldn't find rest or a home. Verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. Amen. That's the end of the first story. Second verse, it's about those who are imprisoned or who have been enslaved by their own sin and their rebellion from God. Verse 10, some sat in darkness, in utter darkness. They were prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands They despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and he broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze, and he cuts through bars of iron. Amen? Amen. That's the end of the second verse. Third verse. This is about those who are suffering illness from their rebellion and their sin against God. Verse 17 begins. Some became fools through their rebellious ways. This is that sickness from sin. And they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and they drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and he healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Amen? That's the end of the third story. Here's the fourth story. And it's about those who were attacked by the storms of this life in a broken world, and they were knocked to their knees by calamity, by loss. Verse 23. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord and his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke, and he stirred up the tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens, and they went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. And they reeled, and they staggered like drunkards, and they were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Amen? Amen. That's the story. That's the psalm. It's all our stories. Told in so many ways. This psalm is an invitation for all to come and to share the story of redemption. He starts off with saying from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. And then he describes all of these different ways that you were redeemed. The first one is even talking about those that wandered around in this world and realized there's nothing for me here. There's nothing that fills me here. And they were saved. And then the next two talk about even my own sin that led me to be a fool or my sin that imprisoned me, maybe my addiction, these things that held me captive. And he delivered me from those. And then the last one just talks about the storms of this world. And he's saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's your fault. It doesn't matter if it's the, other, the world's fault. It doesn't matter. Come and tell the story. Everyone is welcome to come tell the story of redemption. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what the story begins with. What it matters is how it ends. And we all have this in common. This is what we share with each other. That he gathers from all places and from all circumstances. And he says, come tell the story of the redeemed.
1: And if you can look in
0: each one of these verses, one of the things you see is there's this moment. There's this important, monumental moment that happened in each one of these. Those cried out to God, and he saved them. He delivered those who cried out. That's the moment. That's the moment in each one of these verses, and that's the moment that we all have. It's the most significant moment in our lives. It's the time when we finally called And ask God to save us from something we couldn't save ourselves from. And we realize there's nothing else in this world that can save us from that. It's the time that we finally fell into the arms of our Heavenly Father. And He saved us. And He redeemed us. What we could not do on our own, God did for us. And so we tell that story and we rejoice in it. Because when something that big happens, it redefines everything. Everything's different after that. And we have this. This is what we commune with. This is our communion. This is why we take the bread and we drink the cup every week, is we tell the story again through our actions and what we believe and what we do. Of all of the things we share in common, this one is most important. This is the one that makes us who we are. We were in distress, we cried out to the one who could save us, and he did. Let me tell you how this can work in some other ways, give you just a small example of something like this. Let me pull this picture up. You know who that guy is? Say it, what? It's Sully. Sully, yeah, Sully. Sully's the pilot that helped land that plane on the Hudson. Do you remember that story? It's called The Miracle on the Hudson. This next picture is him with the people that, some of the people that were on that plane. That's at the 10-year reunion of the miracle on the Hudson. And if you don't remember, here's what happened is the plane had catastrophic engine failure, both engines, and they're starting to crash, and they realized they weren't going to make it to any airport, and so that they had to put it down in the water, which is an automatic everybody dies. Before this, it just, your life's over. You don't land in the water and live, especially freezing Hudson in the middle of the winter. And somehow, Sully, this pilot, was able to glide that plane down with no engines and land it right on the Hudson, and every single life was saved. 155, all of them. Didn't lose a life. This is their reunion 10 years later. They get together and they talk about this. They gather back together, and they had a meal, and one of the things they did was they reminisced on the day they were saved. And they talk about it. Here's some of the things that they say passengers say, I divide my life simply, the before this event and the after this event, because everything changed in that moment. One of them says, I've been given a gift and it affects me every day, and so I live differently now. And Sully even said, the pilot, being stewards of this story is what gives us purpose. How much more so for those of us who have been redeemed By the blood of the Lamb, by the Father. How much more so can we say, there was what I was before, and then there's what I am after. And I will always remember that moment. I divide my life between the things before and the things after. And we are stewards of this story now. And it gives us purpose to be able to tell it and to be able to share it. And that's what we do. And that's why we come together. No matter where you come from, what your trouble or distress was, you're now a part of a table that tells the same story. You are part of a chorus that sings the song of the redeemed. That's who we all are. If you were lost and wondering, if you were hungry and thirsty and this world could not satisfy in every way, And then you had your thirst and your hunger of your soul quenched. And it saved your soul. Whether you were enslaved or imprisoned by the sins, the things of your own doing, you have found freedom and light. Whether you suffered from the sickness and were nearing death because of the ways that you caused your own harm, the Lord provided healing and he provided rescue. And whether or not you were staggering And at your wit's end, because you got knocked to your knees by what this world can do to you, realize that you've been brought to a haven of rest and peace. All of those who have been redeemed in this way, we get to tell our story. We're invited to tell our story. Everybody who has been saved by the Lord gets this opportunity to say, here's my part of this, and we could all write another verse to 107, Psalm 107. I've got somebody that I want to join me up here, and uh, I want you to hear his story. We're going to write another verse to 107. And so if we can, give me just one minute. I'm going to pull a couple of stools up here, and Tony, if you would come join me, uh, we get to hear another story. I want to uh, introduce you to somebody I've been spending a lot of time with. Uh, This is Anthony, Tony, Farmer. And uh, we've been getting together for... Gosh, what, six or seven weeks? No, no. Weekly, praying and talking. And here's a neat thing. So uh, I, I met Tony uh, several weeks ago, but even before that, it's, it's really neat that um, Tony's father was the preacher at the church where Melissa grew up in Coleman. And so actually, I had met Tony as a little boy running around, uh, watched him running around the church. That's how much younger he is than me. Uh, at Running around the church, so I kind of knew him from then and then uh, we got connected uh, Back again a few weeks ago and some of you know Tony because you have uh, a connection here You want to tell us about that?
2: Yeah um, Thank you so much for allowing me to be here um, So in 20 in 2012 um, I went uh, to a drug and alcohol treatment facility in Abilene, Texas um, After suffering for many years with uh, a, a drug addiction and uh, while I was in treatment, the last week of treatment, I um, literally had no idea where I was supposed to go. Um, I had tainted almost every community I'd lived in with, with my addiction. And I just got on my hands and knees and I asked God, I said, you're going to have to show up in a really big way right now and just tell me where I need to go. And for whatever reason, my, um, God put a memory of my sister, who graduated from nursing school, LVN school at Shriner University back in like 2001 or 2002, somewhere around there. Um, He put a memory of that graduation. I was like 12 years old. It was not a memory that I I reminisced about a lot. It was a very boring memory. Um, But for whatever reason, God put that memory on my heart. And so I went to my counselor the next morning and I said, I feel like God has told me where I'm supposed to go. And he said, well, that's wonderful. Where, Where are you supposed to go? And I said, well, there's this little town in South Texas called Kerrville. And he was so elated that I was choosing to go to Kerrville. And I was really confused as to why he was so elated. Because there was something about Kerrville that I didn't know. And it's a humongous recovery community. And um, so I, I came here. Um, and that was, that was in 2012. Um, while I was in treatment, that treatment facility, uh, before I got down here, I had actually written. It's funny that you had been preaching about the prodigal son. Because that uh, treatment uh, stint, I wrote a song about the prodigal son and I sang it at my graduation ceremony at at treatment and um, I came to Kerrville and I really felt like at that time in my life God was really calling me home I was I was being called home Um, because I've dealt with a lot it's more than just a drug addiction Um, I uh, I I suffered with uh, same-sex attraction and that started um, in middle school or high school and um, I uh, was unwilling to and unable to see um, the, the need to move away from that. And so I started attending Kerrville Church of Christ here in uh, 2013, January of 2013. And uh, I was very active. Some of you may remember. Um, I, was, I tried to be as active as I possibly could. And, um, but I was not ready to give up uh, a part of my life. I was not ready to give it to God. And... Um, now I know that um, I was a little bit unable to see that. Um, so in, uh, that was in 2013. So I also had a, a family connection to this congregation, um, the Squires and the, and the Benton family. Uh, I mean, Lacey family, Benton and Sue Lacey, um, are, um, they are the in-laws of my sister. Uh, my sister married Kalita's uh, grandson, Joe, and so I had family connections to this congregation, and I felt like this is where God was calling me. And um, the elders approached me, um, and I was at that time, I was dating um, a man, and the elders approached me, and um, I was unable to see, um, I was unable and unwilling to see where God was calling me away from that. Um, I felt like in my heart of hearts now, I can look back and I can see down deep, God was asking me to give him some time. Um, he wanted me to spend some time with him and not to be any kind of, in any kind of relationship romantically. He wanted me to be in a relationship with him. And I just wasn't ready. Um, there was a lot of healing that I thought needed to happen, and I just wasn't ready. Um, and so I, I met with the elders, and I, I, I couldn't see where they were coming from. Um, I, I loved them. And I willingly stepped down from leading worship and teaching Bible class. And I, I told them that absolutely, 100%, I would step down without fight. And I did. But it was still, it was still a, hard, a hard thing. And so we decided that it was probably best that I um, try to find another church home. Um, and that was hard. It was hard. It was hard for them. It was hard for me um, because we were confused. We were confused as how God was going to restore this, how God was going to work through this. Um, and honestly, at that time, I didn't know if God could. I didn't, in that part of my life, I didn't know my relationship with God was strong, but I just didn't see how God was going to restore all this. Um, and I spent 10 more years. That was in 2013. It's been almost 10 years. Um, I spent 10 more years in a lot of confusion. Um, in 2017, um, I, I married um, the man that I was dating. Uh, we were legally married. Um, and um, my, my drug addiction began to um, take a catastrophic um, down spiral with my life. Uh, I moved away from Kerrville. In 2017, we, we were married in January, and I moved away in June to Austin, um, which is definitely not a community where you can seek the Lord very easily, um, and a lot of you know that, um, and so I struggled. Uh, I struggled really hard. In 2017, uh, after five years of being sober here in Kerrville and having a wonderful community of support around me, um, I uh, went through a relapse in my, in my addiction. And it was about three months worth of, uh, of using. And um, I decided at that time I needed to seek treatment. I needed to seek, I needed to seek... I had sought 30-day treatment facilities up until that point. But this time I felt like I needed something bigger and longer. And so I went to a 90-day inpatient treatment facility. And it was the first treatment facility where I'd ever been where they actually uh, dealt with trauma. And so I did a type of therapy um, called eye movement desensitization and reprogramming or EMDR. And in that therapy it's a little bit of a type of hypnosis and uh, they stimulate the right side and then the left side of your brain alternatively and then um, it's a, it, it brings you to a place of kind of a trance state where you're able to deal with traumatic events um, in a way that doesn't produce an emotional response. And so after my first session, uh, we finished my first session in that night I was sitting around with some friends, and I was actually there was a girl in the community, or in the community of people in the treatment center, that was from a town that I lived at, where my dad was a minister. My my mom's here with me. Um, my my dad and my mom were uh, working at Springtown Church of Christ in Springtown, Texas, and there happened to be a girl in my uh, treatment center that was from Springtown, and we started reminiscing about memories from when we were kids. And at that moment, uh, I stood up and I had an immediate emotional and physical response, and it was like somebody pressed play on a tape that I had in my head that I didn't know that was there. And that tape um, played some very traumatic sexual abuse that happened from age six to eight uh, in that community, and um, it, it, was, it, it was an immediate uh, revelation of some deep-seated issues that I had had that I couldn't put my finger on why I had such a hard time connecting with other people and with God. Um, But about eight months after that, I started to notice small changes to me as a person. And God began to um, work in very small ways, but they were noticeable ways. Um, Some of the things that I liked began to change. Um, Some of the ways uh, that I sought joy began to change. Uh, a lot of the ways that I connected with other people began to change. Um, my fear, uh, because my, my abuse uh, happened from an adult man, and my fear of adult men began to loosen. And uh, God began to heal uh, some of that fear, and I was able to begin creating deep emotional um, relationships founded in faith uh, with men. And um, that was something that was was new to me. Um, So,
0: If I can step in just for a minute, let let you take a deep breath. I know you're you're going through a lot here, and I know it's okay. It's okay, buddy. You're doing well. Um, Just so you know, uh, traumatically in in counseling, this is a fairly common thing uh, to have uh, trauma from your past that you've repressed in a lot of ways. And so I know that to have that come up was a very painful thing um, and to uh, have to deal with that. And I know that that changed so much. Uh, for you and your relationship with God and what you started asking him for, uh, tr- starting to, to heal the trauma from your past yes. and also to be able to start, uh, you, you to start walking towards him in such a way. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what your goal was, is to start walking towards Christ in such a way. Yeah. Um, just wanted to kind of step in there for a minute and go, yeah, this is, guys, this is something that happens more often um, than we'd like to, to think uh, and uh, it's it's tragic, and it is evil, and it's wrong, uh, and it does tremendous amount of damage. And I know it's been hard uh, to share that. And at the same time, I want to tell you, uh, we appreciate uh, you sharing uh, the difficulties uh, that that brought forward. Uh, you're doing fine. Thank you. You're doing good. Um, so
2: that, w- that was a huge revelation for me, uh, and it was, able to, it was able to open a door towards healing um, that I didn't even know I needed, you know? Um, and um, so that was, that was in 2017, and it took a couple more years, um, and there was a, another tragic event. And most of you know, um, but in 2019... In in White Settlement, Texas. My dad's a minister, or was a minister at West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement, Texas. And on December 29th of 2019, that church experienced an active shooter incident. And my dad's best friend was taken from us. But God began, God used that event To begin healing me, and when we were, I was at Rich's funeral, actually it was uh, before Rich's funeral, it was just after, or just after Rich's funeral, I actually had come forward at my dad's church and wanted to dedicate my life back to God and um, asked for him to begin to come back into my heart and heal me, and Rich's wife Glenda came up to me and she gave me a big hug and she said, you know, Rich would have laid down his life over and over again for this moment. And I know that that's not why the event happened, but it was God used something that was so dark and so tragic. And it's not only me that was healed. It's not only me that was brought back to him. There was a lot of people that were brought back to him. Mm -hmm. But that was uh, another tragic event. And so after that shooting, uh, COVID happened. And so we were isolated um, and unable to seek the therapy that we really needed as a family and um, We got some, but not probably what we needed. And so uh, the addiction reared its ugly head again. And um, I went through two more years of uh, really, really significant uh, battle and struggle with the addiction. Finally, in October of this year, or last year, sorry, uh, October of 2021, um, I finally moved back to Kerrville because I knew that this is where God was bringing me back. There was something restorative about this community. God has been wanting to use this community to restore me, and I've just never been able to see it. He, he always has bigger plans than what we are able to see. And um, in October, I came back, and I, I struggled for a couple more months. And then finally, in March, I moved out of the house that I was living at with um, my ex-husband, and um, I moved into Sober Living. And while I was living at Sober Living, I got a job, and I've been working at the Salvation Army as the volunteer coordinator here in Kerrville, and I um, am a member of Kiwanis, and uh, John Rich is also a member of Kiwanis. And we were sitting at lunch one day, and before I could even, before I knew what I was saying, God said, hey, John, I think I want to talk to the elders at Kerrville Church of Christ." And I thought to myself, "You want to do what?"
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I knew that I knew that God wanted he wanted healing. He wanted healing for me. He wanted healing for us. He wanted healing for his story to be told and to, be, to glorify what he has done and the fact that he goes after. He goes after the one. Not that I'm the one. <laughs> Trust me, I feel like I'm one of the 99. But mm-hmm. he goes after the one, and, um, and so I met with the elders, and it um, was Scott, and the family connection was found that we had a. God has just been weaving a tapestry of of beauty uh, in my life, um, and I'm so grateful to be able to be here. Um, mm-hmm. But since that time, uh, I have been completely celibate for the last seven months. Um, I am in the current stages of the divorce. The divorce will be final on December sixth, um, and uh, I've, I've, I've been attending uh, an, another congregation. But God has been, God's had me in His family um, mm-hmm. for the last seven months, and there's been lots of healing that's been able to happen.
0: And sober,
1: and, you're sober. and I'm sober. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Thank you for sharing all of that. I know that's been a lot, and uh, man, it was it was hard. I can tell <laughs> it was hard. Take a deep breath. Um, your story is our story, and it's what we've been talking about for weeks around here. Is the story of the redeemed is all of our stories. Is to be able to say I once was this way, and now I'm this way, and it's not because of anything that I've done, and it's not my own power. It's because I cried out to the Lord. That's the most monumental moment for every one of us, and for you as well, is when I cried out to the Lord. When I decided the arms I'm going to fall into are that of the Heavenly Father, that everything changed. And that is what we gather around the table to talk about. That is the welcome of Psalm 107, is all of those from the east and the west and the north And the South, no matter where you come from, you come and tell this story. And it doesn't matter if you've been enslaved by your sin or you've been made sick by your sin or if it was a wandering desert land or if it was from the storms of this life or a conglomeration of all of those things. You come tell your story. You are welcome to come sing the song of the redeemed. For those of us that are redeemed, you tell your story. Not for our own glory before the glory of our Heavenly Father, because this is what he does. This is what he does. This is what good news is. This is the gospel, and we get to share this good news. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so thankful uh, that you're willing to get up here. And what we want to do is we're, we're just going to add your story onto 107 with uh, what we're going to be reading over the next few weeks. We will have this story uh, that we will just continue to add to of those who have been redeemed telling their story. What I'd like to do is ask if our elders would come up here and if they would join us up on stage um, because I know they wanted to be here for this and uh, to be able to lay hands on you and pray over you and rejoice because our Heavenly Father rejoices.
1: Praise God. Let's go to our Father. Heavenly Father, what an emotional morning. We truly feel your presence here. Yes, we know that you are all-powerful, almighty. If we ever boast, let us boast of your power. Mm-hmm. Let us boast of your forgiveness. And our story, let it always point to you. And help us to always remember that uh, try hard as we may. Uh, We can't accomplish these things without you. Um, They're not lasting. Um, They're not anything to be proud of. They're something that uh, is to be told for a purpose. We know that your son was here for a purpose. He suffered for us, not to give himself glory, but to give the glory to you. If he did that, certainly we must as well. We thank you this morning as you bring Tony to us. Help us to support him in, uh, in his recovery, and his walk, and his path back to you. We know he's always been close to you. Uh, just sometimes he's been looking the other direction. But we know his heart has always loved you. And we know you've always been there for him. We thank you again for this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.